Hi, I'm Tristan Miller, and this is Positive and Negative, a podcast about the intersectionality between mental health and the arts. Today on the program, I speak with comedian Andy Bosto about their experience with anxiety and depression. This is Andy talking about living with depression. I try to, like, be gentle with myself about it, you know what I mean? And, you know, it's it's something that it's going to be with me, like, the rest of my life. So it's like I have to learn to live with it. I, I don't have to like it. I don't have to, like, accept it, but I, I got to learn to live with it. You can support this podcast by going to patreon.com slash Tristan J. Miller for early access to extended interviews, along with a myriad of other kinds of content for and about mental health. Our theme song is by Billy Conahan. It's To Be or Not off of the album Leaping with Intent to Fly, available wherever fine music is sold. All right, let's get to this interview. So you were saying you you grew up in Virginia? Yeah, uh, in the suburbs of uh, Fairfax County. Mm-hmm. And yeah, a lot of uh, shorts wears down here. <laughs> yeah, Cargo you, shorts with the zippers, three tiers. You were saying earlier that it was like a lot of Confederate flags. Yes. And... I'm being presumptuous here. You're not white. No. How was that <laughs> growing up in that culture? It sure was. It was. Uh, <laughs> it sure was. Uh, yeah, no, it, um, it, it just like, I, it was one of those things I didn't realize until I was out of it exactly how much had influenced my upbringing mm-hmm. and how much I had just like accepted that this was the status quo for the area like the attitudes and just like general uh I don't know uh perceptions about things I I just was just kind of like okay that's how it is and then I became an adult and I you know began the process of unlearning a lot of this and just kind of unpacking like oh and I've been treated differently because I am not like everybody else around here uh and yeah it's uh it sure was <laughs> do you think that impacted your perception of self-worth oh yeah for sure and I spent a lot of time with my therapist like really unpacking that and just kind of like getting that feedback too of like um hey that's not normal hey that you're not supposed to feel like that like you know, that constant pressure to subscribe to, like, these particular norms because they're never going to be your norms. You're of a different heritage. You're a different culture, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. What sort of norms are you talking about, though? Can you give some examples? Like, when I was in middle school, like, obsessively straightening my naturally Uh curly hair. (laughs) So that did impact you. um, And how did you... How did you unlearn those things? Like, what steps did you take? Uh, just kind of, like, diving into my own heritage. Like, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of my family is based in Bolivia. So um, I just, like, kind of got to know them a little bit more and, like, the history of my own family. Um, and just, like, I don't know. I, I just, like, branched out a little bit more 
in terms of like my friend groups too to just kind of also learn like you know okay there's there's other cultures besides like the my mostly white school you know what I mean yeah um and so just like kind of forcing myself to do extracurriculars specifically so I could meet people that Mm. I didn't have to go to school with if that makes sense (laughs) what did you would you choose to do uh <laughs> theater stand up and very good yeah yeah when did you, so did you start stand up when you were young when when did you start uh so no i my interest in comedy came when i was young uh-huh. i uh i started doing like um theater in middle school and high school uh and i remember one of my first things that I did was like a one act play where I played a girl who went on a series of bad dates, mm. which is pretty much what my standup routine is today. <laughs> and, um, yeah, but so that, that just kind of gave me the bug, right. For mm-hmm. performance and stuff and specifically for comedy. Cause I like the feedback of like making an entire room of people laugh yes. and that attention, um and then yeah and then I I was always like a writer so I just like always had bits and stuff and thought about you know doing like the YouTube thing Mm -hmm. uh but then I was like let me try stand-up I had some friends who got me into it and and then yeah that became a thing for me how old were you when you started doing stand-up? Uh, that was five years ago. It was like my comedy university like, oh. <laughs> a couple days ago. Congrats. So yeah, thanks. Yeah, it was just, just like the passage of time. It's crazy. Yeah. You said you were interested in it from an early age in comedy. Mm-hmm. What do you mean by that? Like, were you watching Comedy Central? What? Oh, yeah. I would watch Comedy Central like obsessively all day and then stay up until like three in the morning to watch Clerks or like Eddie Murphy's Raw special. <laughs> yeah. Like uncensored, you know. 100%. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it was a lot of that. And then just like movies and uh, TV, like as much as I could take in, um, but always choosing like comedy. Mm-hmm. Um. And then, yeah, just coming up with bits, like, with my friends. Um, my brother and I would, like, uh, make silly little videos with, like, our stuffed animals and stuff. Uh-huh. And, you know, just having fun with it. So it was always there. Yeah. You said you were always a writer. What kind of writing do you mean? I always did creative writing, like, short stories or, like, um, uh, fanfics. Like, oh, really? Yeah. Okay, let's open that door. <laughs> yeah. Who yeah. who did you write about fan fiction wise? My favorite fan fiction that I've ever done was a Jersey Shore <laughs> slash Twilight crossover. <laughs> it was beautiful, uh, actually. Sounds fantastic. Do you still have the file around? Is it still on AO3 or whatever? It is. It is in one of my journals. But I remember oh I gosh. I brought that to school. I read it out loud to everybody in the cafeteria. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> and it was just a thing like <laughs> my friends and i used to make like little zines and like comics and stuff oh, and so then sweet yeah and then occasionally i would like throw in a little story like that or just like some stupid little mm-hmm. fanfic like that and just yeah that's fantastic oh <laughs> uh, so wanting to be in front of people was always there though it seems yeah, and then I just kind of realized, like, I can marry both of those mm-hmm. things with stand-up. Why do you think you want to be in front of people? The attention and the adoration that I did not receive at home. Okay, let's talk about that. 
what do you mean by that? Like, sure, you can mm-hmm. fill in whatever blank you... I'm filling in whatever blanks I think are you not receiving that attention. But mm-hmm. what actually does that mean? Well, and it's just some, one of these things that my therapist and I have unpacked as mm-hmm. uh, just kind of like... Um, like receiving that attention in like a positive way. Okay. You know, and like also impacting people in a positive way. Um, that's not something I'm very used to and receiving or uh, having expressed around me, if that makes sense. Sure. So were you, your family very critical growing up, would you say? Oh, yeah. Hypercritical, very like... Uh, religious devoutly like catholic and stuff and um things like homosexuality were not really like discussed unless it was like in a disparaging way mm-hmm. or um just like kind of negative way um and so yeah so i just like didn't really know that that was an option mm-hmm. uh until later on when i started asking myself the questions and like mm-hmm. exploring for myself and then realizing like oh all my friends are in the gay straight alliance and i'm very passionate about gay rights <laughs> can't What's imagine that why? about yeah <laughs> yeah i've heard so, that a fair amount mm-hmm. um so that would so you're kind of first experiencing those feelings when you were in high school uh yeah like middle school oh okay yeah what did you do with those feelings and how did how was it processing that as at a young age like that so yeah I just funny enough one of my first uh homosexual uh (laughs) relationships what is Um, it about the word homosexuality that is inherently funny it's so archaic (laughs) I know it really is yeah but you know, it was like baby's first like baby's first ex- gay. Baby's first gay, exactly. At uh, it was uh 4-H camp, and <laughs> right. And that's how you know you're in Virginia. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. So, um, but it was just like, oh, this is a thing. Mm-hmm. We can hold hands, and I get the tingly feelings, mm-hmm. <laughs> like. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then going to Catholic school too. Um was also just like, okay, wait, like, they keep telling us not to do this thing, but what if the thing feels good? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, isn't that, that's, that's Catholicism in a nutshell, mm-hmm. isn't it? Mm-hmm. So how did you come to terms with that, having grown up Catholic and then realizing those things about yourself? Fair of P. So <laughs> when did you start? 15, also, oh. shortly after I came out of the closet. Okay. It was just kind of like okay, uh, here you go, Andrea, you're going to go to therapy now and you're going to figure that out. Um, mm-hmm. and figure it out. I did. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. So what was that process like? Um, so you said 15. Mm-hmm. That's very young. Yeah. So were they hoping for you to get ungayified from the therapy? <laughs> was that the goal? They, my parents thought I was confused, and uh-huh. so that was the reaction when I came out as 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 bi. Uh-huh. They were like, "You're confused. You don't know what you're talking about." And I was just like, "No, I'm not." And it was very frustrating. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so the response was to put me through lots of therapy and to figure out why I'm such a rebel in every aspect, 
and why I liked smoking weed and hanging out with all these other kids mm-hmm. who were uh, being gay. <laughs> and, and we figured out uh, it's because I liked it. So. <laughs> <laughs> really, uh, Occam's razor, mm-hmm. truly. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think that doing stand-up is sort of like an extension of that because stand-ups are famously misanthropes. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. Um, And it's always been, like, interesting to me how um, some people will have, like, entire, like, stage personas, but in real life they could be just, like, the most quiet, like, humble person. Um, And I feel like as a queer person like definitely relatable because it was just like you know the face that I would have to show of like heteronormativity and like at home and among my peers and stuff but like now reality is like that that's been my stage persona Mm -hmm. I in real life I am queer (laughs) and and I like being queer you know what Mm -hmm. I mean Are you still in therapy now? Yeah. Yeah. But for different reasons. Um, yeah, just to kind of cope with the... I don't know if you've heard the past the couple years. <laughs> yeah. The everything. There's been a lot um, in my personal life, too, mm-hmm. which compounded with the everything. Uh, yeah. So, continuing thing, although uh, just kind of... Um, I, d- I did a lot of talk therapy growing up initially. Yeah. And now I've only started branching out into like cognitive behavioral therapy, which is. That's the good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. How do your parents feel about you now, if I may ask? Mm. Because you're very out. Mm-hmm. Are they like, I really wish they wouldn't do that? <laughs> yeah. Um, so. How's Thanksgiving, is what I'm asking. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> So we're not super close anymore, not that we ever truly were, but I have uh, set up my boundaries and stuff. For instance, they don't really know much about my personal life. Mm-hmm. Like, I, it, it's just going to be the thing now that, like, you know how people, like, disappear and then they show up married? Sure. Like, on Instagram or whatever? Yeah. Like, that's very much going to be, like, the vibe because... Okay. Yeah. Um, Is that hard on you? It is, but it also is just kind of, like, it, it kind of refreshing to have those boundaries and, like, have them, like, I've been reinforcing them, which is not something I did previously. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, there is just, like, a little bit more respect. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it hurts. Like, I, you know, I have friends who have great relationships with their parents and their siblings and stuff. But at the same time, it's, I, I have a lot of, like, friends that I consider like my found family yeah so it's you know it's not that I'm uh missing that particular like aspect of my life of like people that I'm close to but I mean you know that's that's like what people want is to be close to their family and stuff and yeah it's kind of hard to do that when they don't believe that uh you are who you identify as yeah you realized you were bisexual pretty early on. Mm-hmm. Um, what about the non-binary thing? So that is a newer aspect of my life. I only came out like a year ago, mm-hmm. but started questioning maybe like a couple years ago mm-hmm. and just kind of like 
experiencing with my gender presentation and stuff. Um, but, you know, still wanted to just kind of like do the research and figure it out in therapy as well. Mm-hmm. Like, um, yeah, so I don't know. Um, that in particular has been like a newer journey for me, but also um, kind of like vocalizing that, you know, hey, I'm not fully expressing my gender. This is who I want to be. Has made me feel more like myself. And it's like, okay, maybe like retroactively I'm looking back and realizing like, oh, okay, maybe I'm answering questions that I had before Mm -hmm. now after the fact. You know what I mean? Yeah. Does it make sense? Yeah. (laughs) So you're doing cognitive behavioral therapy. I assume that means you're anxious. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, When did you start noticing that in your life? Um, it definitely cropped up in like middle school, so Mm -hmm. maybe like twelve, thirteen. Uh, I started like struggling with uh like test anxiety, things like that, and um I had also just like moved to a new school Uh and everything, so that was the assumption. Like, oh well, you just can't handle it because everything's more <laughs> difficult now yeah she's like no it's literally it's just me like i understand everything that's happening mm-hmm. i just can't do it because my brain is hurting like yeah yeah and so when you realized that what did you initially do to cope um so a lot of like the writing and stuff uh was primarily journaling mm-hmm um, and I journaled for everything, like just for my day. And then I would do like dream journals and then, uh, yeah, that was my only like outlet. Um, and I was just like kind of introverted, um, and just not really like socialized. Like mm. I really just like did not really talk to a lot of other people just cause like I didn't really know how or like have the opportunity or like, mm-hmm. so I I had like a very like internal like uh what do you call it like whatever just like i you want to internalize the anxiety rather than like yes getting like panic attacks and that sort of thing exactly and so it manifested into like the panic attacks Mm -hmm. and stuff and and then yeah then it was like okay yeah now uh my parents like saw that and they're like okay you can go to therapy (laughs) So they needed proof time and time again. Mm-hmm. And do you think that's why you're so vocal now and why you're so like, I mean, stand up is one of the few places where you can go, this is what I think. Mm-hmm. Do you think you're drawn to it because of that? Definitely. And, um, and just like in my, uh, real life too, you know, like mm-hmm. I am trying to stand up for myself more and, uh, assert my boundaries mm-hmm. and what I am and am not comfortable with because for so long I was a doormat and I still have like little flashes of that but I'm the only one who can change that you know? yeah how's that going you know it's a work in progress uh-huh. okay. uh yeah <laughs> so you just did a set at Broadway Comedy Club and you were saying you were so anxious that you were almost vomiting mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, 
the way my anxiety will manifest too is uh, with insomnia. So that was also the case. Um, But yes, I vomited from nerves. Oh my gosh. And that is very rare. And I never like doing it, but it happens. Um, Because usually it's just stomach aches. Yeah. Right. um, But the nausea is a thing fun new thing for me now it's also why i don't drink anymore or Mm -hmm. one of the reasons why i don't drink because it's just there's a lot of stuff going on um (laughs) sure right but i can respect that yeah but it's like whenever i come off stage i don't know if you feel this too it's like i always feel that relief sure and that there's like a little bit of adrenaline there too Mm -hmm. uh so yeah so that was the highlight (laughs) (laughs) but do you find that your anxiety gets in the way of writing and performing a lot um not so much with the writing but definitely like with the performing um i wouldn't say that like i experience that often um because keep in mind like this this one show last night i had to like travel and i had to make all these arrangements and stuff and um that's not usually part of me performing yeah uh but yeah it um (laughs) it's one of the things i love and hate about stand-up is that i do have to perform and i have to show up and and do that whole thing uh it's like i enjoy it but my anxiety doesn't kind of thing sure (laughs) Sure. how do you when it does crop up what do you do to deal with it um so a lot of like uh breath work meditation um I will just like obsessively go over my set. Um, uh, what else? What kind of meditation do you do? I do a lot of like guided sleep meditations. Okay. And then, like headspace stuff. Um, I've I've tried that, but uh, I I there's one podcast I listen to called Tracks to Relax. Okay. Like I subscribe to their Patreon and everything. They're so cool. Um, but it's just like very calming like guided meditations um sometimes i'll just do like sound baths and stuff Mm -hmm. or just like listen to like a um like a low tone or something there's like specific decibels or something yeah put on a racer head and (laughs) yeah that's another one though is is i'll I'll put on my headphones and just you know yeah jam out to the low tones of david lynch coming at you next on this track um do you find it cathartic to do stand up? Yeah, I think so. How has it changed over the last 5 years? Um for you, what's the process? So I'm definitely more um real when it comes to my writing. Like I'm I've gotten more personal with it. Mm-hmm. I think when I started, I was very like goofy, absurdist, sure, corny. Yeah. But I had fun with it. You know what I mean? And I still, I'm not going to sit here and tell you my comedy still not like that. Very much is. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I uh, feel more comfortable like being myself and like announcing that to the room. Like, hey, just so you know, in addition to being a person, I'm also, uh, this is, these are my identities and this is who I am and you should know that. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. <laughs> sure. Do you ever also, in in addition to feeling anxious, do you feel depressed as well? Con- yeah, constantly. Yeah. As a underlying mm-hmm. current. Um, 
Yeah. And that has been uh, recurring in my life, uh, like very uh, like high and, and low, low, low depressions. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually I went to the psych ward like a couple years ago now because it got really bad. It was just like a lot of stuff in my personal life that all came crashing down at once. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, like I'm kind of grateful that I, uh, went at the time that I did and, uh, was able to like find more ways to cope. Um, Mm -hmm. because it is just like a recurring thing. And it's, it's like, I, I try to like, um, be gentle with myself about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you know, it's, it's something that it's going to be with me like the rest of my life. So it's like I have to learn to live with it. I, I don't have to like it. I don't have to like accept it, but I it, it I got to learn to live with it mm-hmm. kind of thing. What was the psychiatric ward like? Um, This is going to sound however it sounds, but honestly, it was kind of fun. Yeah. <laughs> I've often gone, you know what sounds nice? A two-week vacation mm-hmm. with a bunch of other nuts. Like, yeah. That sounds great. And it was. That's um I learned uh the baby shark dance while I was there and very fun. Yeah. We had a pizza party. Uh mm-hmm. we all did baby shark. Um and then we had group therapy the next day and most of us cried. Mm-hmm. Um but it I don't know, it's just like, you know, you're you get so close with like strangers. Um like summer camp. Yeah, it's like it was very much like summer camp. Um except yeah, we were uh got very close very quickly and you know where everybody's working on themselves um but uh you learn a lot in the process too because it's like um you know everybody who's there is there for like their mental health and most likely it's not their first experience like trying to get help for their mental health you know um so you learn a lot from other people Having gone through that, did it make it easier for you to ask for help now? Definitely. Um, yeah. Especially because, like, you know, it's like everybody is going through their own battles and stuff, and we all cope with it differently. Um, but, again, as someone who has internalized a lot of the stuff over, like, the course of my life, like, now mm-hmm. being vocal about it and reaching out... Um, is also like okay at the same time you can encourage other people to reach out to you and then it's like more of an open concept you know what i mean um Mm -hmm. in like helping each other it's more of a community thing than just like privately suffering it seems like Over and over, you've tried to find a community for you. Mm-hmm. Why do you think that is? I mean, I'm human, you know? We're social creatures. <laughs> sure. We're social creatures, and uh, we all have that need to be accepted and loved and, um, you know, like, taken care of. Um, and it's like taking care of yourself is really hard. Yeah. Like 
it's very difficult. Um, but yeah, it it's like you gotta learn like who can help you and how, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, yeah, cause just. All I know so far about life is that it's going to continue to kick my ass, you know? (laughs) Yeah. That's often when someone says, I feel like I need to suffer for my art. I'm like, don't worry, life has it covered. Don't get in your own way. Mm -hmm. Um, When you say that it's a constant, does that make it difficult to be creative? And if so, how? Yeah, it's... um it's like sometimes I just don't have the energy to be as creative as I would like, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, and it's, uh, what is it? Like the, the spoon concept. You've heard of that one. Yeah. It's like, I only have so many that I can dole out. Uh, but if I'm feeling very depressed and stuff, that's like, okay, I need to plan for that time too, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. Um, because I still got to take care of me. So, yeah, I don't know. You said it's hard to learn how to take care of yourself. What do you do now to do that? Um, I call it preventative maintenance. Mm-hmm. I have like my, con- we were talking about this, like having contingency plans and yeah. stuff. Yeah. So I have like, um, just kind of things for myself like for instance um a lot of frozen meals and stuff for when I don't have the energy to cook or like um like just people to call or um activities to do when I'm I know I'm like feeling super low and I I just want to you know put everything off um and yeah that's uh been mostly my coping strategy for that. And was that learned in therapy or did you come up with that on your own self? Uh, own self? with the help of therapy and stuff of like, yeah. okay, like, um, for instance, like we got winter coming up and stuff. So yeah. I got like my sad lamps ready to go, uh-huh. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I do. And were you happy with the first therapist you got? Because sometimes that's really tricky to find one that works for you. Mm, no. No. Because uh, my therapist found, or my therapist, my parents yeah. found that first therapist. And, um, I mean, she was nice. She was very sweet and very kind. But, um, I don't know. She, it, it was like, it was just like a very weird um, dynamic yeah. that um, she had with my parents. And I mean, I was a child. I get it. <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, I was just like, oh, if this is therapy, I don't like it. And that's that's not good, yeah. I don't think. Um, so I don't know. So did you come in with that attitude when you had to go to another therapist later um, on? You're like, I don't want to be here. I, yeah, it was just kind of like I wasn't as open. You know, because mm-hmm. it was just like, I know she's going to tell some stuff to my parents, so I can't, like, yeah. show all my cards, you know? Yeah. So it was, like, very selective in the things that I told her. Mm-hmm. Um, and then did that impact how you do therapy now? Do you ha- Did you have to unlearn that? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, Because then, you know, I became an adult and I had (laughs) to... Thank you. (laughs) I'm still trying to, you know, figure that out. Yeah. But, um, yeah, but... uh, And then I had to, like, find my own therapists and and stuff um, and really opened up the doors a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah. Are you... And let me know if this is too personal. Are you on any medication? Or uh, are you worried that that's going to change your personality for the worse? So I have been on a ton of different medications. And it's it's just always been like, I got to find what works for me. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like side effects and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. It's like... Um, it's like the same with birth controls. Like, yeah, there's always the danger that it will change who you are and stuff. And, um, but it's at the same time, it's like, you kind of need it to do what it has to do. Yeah. Like that's why you're trying to get it in the first place. Yeah. You're, it's going to change your personality, but hopefully for the better. Yeah. And like, hopefully prevent like worse stuff from happening like babies. Yeah, that's true. That is true. Um, I was talking in the terms of antidepressants and so forth, but yes, that also too. that also birth that control. Too. Yeah. So that wasn't a good experience for you, though, trying different medications. And was that difficult to uh, reckon with? Because that's often thrown as the first solution to specifically depression. Yeah, yeah. It it, it was just kind of like, um, you know, you gotta you gotta find the shoes that fit, kind of thing. Hmm. Um, and I feel like. I, for at different points in my life being more medicated definitely helped me um when things were like really 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 bad um and now I've just kind of been weaned off mm-hmm. like the cocktail that I was on before mm-hmm. basically um but that's what works for me you know what I mean um and I'm I'm good with where I'm at on that but uh, that's not to say that I haven't been at that point too, yeah. where I had to take like a bunch of like mood stabilizers and all that. Are you afraid that it's going to get bad enough where you're going to end up in the psych ward again? I mean, that's always like a possibility. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but I'm not necessarily afraid of that because it's like I've already gone through that. Yeah. It was scary the first time because I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know. Uh, like I had a lot going on uh, in my life Mm -hmm. that I had to put on pause and the thought of putting everything on pause was the big scary thing for me yeah um but afterwards it was like you know what that was necessary I have to take care of me and so now going forward if that were to be the case again um I feel like I could definitely be more open to it and like uh, just kind of dive into it. Um, so it's not necessarily like a fear of that happening again. Um, more like what circumstances would it take? You know, sure. Like, yeah. uh, but as as <laughs> you're I will not say this, about the ward, you're worried about what led you there. Yeah, exactly. Like how, because it, yeah. How bad is it? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, for I I will say um, things have have been have been. Uh, is there wood? 
pretty good lately. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Was it difficult during the lockdown? Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because um, I had to move during that. I had to move mm-hmm. out of my living situation that uh, just became more unstable. And that's really all I want to get into with that. But Understood. had to get the frick out of there um, and then move in with a friend of mine mm-hmm. uh, and just kind of like navigate the world falling down around us. Yeah. Um, and just like the dynamic of living with somebody else in a very small apartment in mm-hmm. a brand new city where I didn't know anybody else. And uh, yeah, being unemployed um and just like being broke and i mean it it was just like a very difficult like six months that Mm -hmm. i just kind of had to like rebuild my life from scratch you know from like living on this air mattress at my friend's place to like getting a job getting an apartment getting a roommate Mm -hmm. making new friends Mm -hmm. dating again which was still a thing but Mm -hmm. uh yeah and and just kind of like you know meanwhile the world is is like burning down around us so yeah uh yeah uh, that see all of that is very much like precursor to psych ward yeah but that's what happened after psych ward so it's <laughs> like <laughs> you know what a great time to like go <laughs> be locked up in the psych ward and then come out and then like within a few months so the, yeah. the psych ward was recent. Yeah. Within like kinda. the last year or so. Year and a half, I guess. Yeah, a couple of years ago. Okay. Now. Yeah. What would your biggest piece of advice to someone who's coming to any sort of realization about their identity and how that impacts their mental health? Um, definitely, like, to the best of your ability, like, try to dive into it, like you know figure out what your questions are and then figure out how you're going to get those answers from where and from who and you know you kind of like need to write your own guide but at the same time go with what has been like tested and true and find what fits for yourself you know it's like we all have our like different paths to go on and stuff and you know so like, maybe going to the psych ward is not going to work for you. <laughs> maybe going to therapy, going to talk therapy doesn't work for you. So maybe try cognitive behavioral therapy. Maybe try new medications. Like, you got to be open to trying because, you know, that's how you're going to find what's comfortable for you. And that's what you need is you need to find that comfort. All right. So when you're, how do you write a joke? Um, do you wait for something funny to happen or do you, what, what, what's that like? I, I like waiting for something funny to happen. I also, so you're lazy. No. Ah, uh, yes, actually I'm very lazy. I will take dialogue <laughs> from my real life. Um, I'll just, I'll throw like random phrases and stuff or I'll just like, I don't know. Sometimes I come up with the punchline before the joke. Yeah. Right. Work backwards. Um, go through my old stuff, pick that apart, and then put it back together like a puzzle. 
Isn't that such a joy? I was like literally last night going through old notebooks and you're like, oh, this isn't good, but this idea is. Mm -hmm. And then knowing what you know now, applying your skills and like being able to see how much you've grown. Yeah. that's It's like the thing, a big comfort thing for me is like rewatching old movies. Mm -hmm. um, and it's just like the movie never changes, but you do. And your yeah. understanding of everything around that or what's happening in it changes. And yeah, it's like that. Have you been finding that like having to pivot to online has been made your mental health worse? Like, because for specifically like during 2020, all the comedians had to do it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you think it's worse because of it or? Okay. So I, it was, it was good and bad. Yeah. It was good because I was drinking a lot when I was going out for comedy, like three or four times a week. And that was bad. Yes. Uh, but it was also bad because I had to, the only thing I had to do was confront my own writing and stuff. And that could be torturous. <laughs> but good in that um, I could focus on that. Kind of. I don't know. Do you feel self-conscious about your writing? All the time. Really? Yeah. You don't go, oh, this is good? Have you ever felt like written something and like, no, this slaps? <laughs> I mean, yes. I get that too. Um, but I also know... Sometimes artists are unappreciated. So, <laughs> it's like, I might think it slaps, but then everybody might want to slap me. Uh-huh. <laughs> which is valid. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> when you receive negative feedback on stage, does that hurt your feelings? Like, do you, do you carry that with you? It depends on what it is. Because there's some people's opinions who I respect more than others. Sure. <laughs> So, but like, so let's say you're doing a stand-up show and you just, the crowd isn't buying it. Would that, like, will that send you into a funk? If I got booed by, like, an entire stadium, uh huh, I would just quit stand-up right there. Really? And I think more comedians should take that approach. <laughs> <laughs> I feel the opposite. Like, if I'm in a stadium, say, like, there's 500 people even, like, and there's silence, I'm like, I have to reconfigure everything I've ever thought about comedy. Mm -hmm. If I get booed, I at least know I'm eliciting an reaction, <laughs> you know, a reaction where I'm like, okay, at least we're playing ball. At least they're listening to me. <laughs> but maybe that's because I'm, I don't know. I, I like to be confrontational for no reason. Sometimes <laughs> I don't know. Sure. There's a perverse pleasure one gets going, ah, they hate me. I knew it. <laughs> or maybe it's like that thing from Back to the Future where, you know, you're absolutely killing it on stage, but it's like, oh, you guys aren't ready for that yet. Oh, yeah. I feel that <laughs> a lot, to be honest. I'll say something and people are like, what the hell? <laughs> and I'm like, when you see the show again, you'll love it. Mm -hmm. Um but yeah, thank you very much for doing this. I appreciate your candor. Thank you for having me. I hope I was making sense. You were. <laughs> yeah. Don't listen to your parents' kids. That's the main takeaway. Yeah. <laughs> They're literally just adults. <laughs> Did that mess with your mind? Learning that? Yeah. That you're like, are you, were, are you the age your parents were when they had you yet? Uh, yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Does that mess with your perception of everything? Mm -hmm. Good. Good or bad? <laughs> It's kind of both. It's like now I see them as more humanized. Mm -hmm. They did, did what they had to do. But at my expense. <laughs> I see. I see. So you understand, but you don't necessarily forgive. Yeah. 
Or agree. Or agree. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, thank you very much. Thank you.